Episode three. I am hoping to find a way for my soul to grow back. Can we do that today? We can try, Matt. We can do our best. Okay. This um, I think this episode is to me what the second episode is to you. Yes. And actually, I told Susanna that we were recording this episode today, and she got all excited that we're talking about Fall Drive. So maybe to others as well. Is it one of her favorites as well? Yes. This is the episode. Like, I, I mentioned last week uh, when we recorded our episode two podcast that uh, I was, you know, already two-thirds of the way through the show when you mentioned the second episode was very important. And I thought it was this one. I just misremembered the order of the episodes. And when you mentioned, like, an important episode early on, I assumed it was this one. Because mm-hmm. this, to me, like, I liked the first two episodes of the show. I was into it. You know, I liked the sort of dry sense of humor. Uh, but this is the episode where I was, like, all in. And, like, it truly fell in love with the show because it showed, it demonstrates a lot of depth that uh, is not missing from the first episodes necessarily, but uh, it becomes clear that the intention of this show is is uh, it's much more ambitious than just making cute jokes about you know the day to day life on the Upper Peninsula. This is I do think this is true that if you want to fall in love with this show, this might be the way in. Mm. Like I still I love the Breakfast Show and I love the humor of it, but. This, this show gives you the feels, Andy. This, this episode, like, one. falling in love is is exactly what this episode is for me. I mean, Matt, you know, I think, that uh, I really value rituals and traditions. It is a thing that I, is... I, circ- I underlined and circled the word rituals like 17,000 times when taking notes for this episode. I figured you'd have some ritual talk. Yeah, I mean, it's a thing that is just... It's very important to me for reasons that uh you know i can describe a bunch of reasons that it means that these things they mean something to me i don't have a clear one where it's like oh this it's not like you know some traumatic thing happened to me and uh, i only had a tradition to get me through or whatever it's just that all of my fondest memories of growing up all of the sort of warm fuzzy feelings i have inside of me are tied to like kind of trivial dumb traditions and rituals and yeah uh on all all different scales right like uh you know when i was a little kid i had this tradition of every year at christmas the like one part of the decorating of the house that i would do is i would decorate the the banister of our like staircase because i could see the banister through like the crack of my bedroom door uh if if it was like trying to fall asleep i could look through the crack of my bedroom door and see the banister that was the extent of the christmas decorations that i could see and uh, I loved so much falling asleep while like looking at Christmas decorations that uh, I took it on myself every year to like decorate the banister with Christmas stuff. Uh, and like, that's probably my fondest memory about Christmas, right? More so than like going to visit my grandmother every year or whatever, right? Like that, <laughs> like a more normal thing. It's always this like, this like dumb stuff that uh, just really kind of sticks with me. And you know, same is true for like weekly traditions, right? Like we had a, a pizza night growing up and that was something that I just, you know, just that little thing to look forward to every week. Like you've got pizza night coming. And then as an adult, like I've, you know, set up game nights with my like local friends, uh, which I, it's very important to me, like do it on the same night every week just to like give some shape to the passage of time. Uh, and this episode is just a, a beautiful love letter to the idea of that, 
of like giving shape to time. Uh, and, and yeah, do, do you, do you care about rituals and traditions? I feel like you are a, you're a very modern man and you might, uh, you might cast aside these, these, uh, you know, old fogey ideas of, uh, rituals and traditions. Well, I think what I had to do is go through a period of time of saying rituals and traditions are dumb. I don't like these these things you're forcing me to do. This is what I can hear then, your voice saying in my head, yes. <laughs> and then I had to circle back around and say, oh, well, I can just make my own. Or I can find value in... It, it's not that I don't care for ritual or tradition. It's that I didn't care for the ones that I was being forced to participate at some point in my life. Yeah, I mean, there are things that, like... I have a really positive emotional relationship to that I literally only liked because it was a ritual. And like the best example of that is uh, sometime in around middle school or whenever, um, I kind of like got into football, uh, but truly uh, I only got into football because I did not want to go to church. <laughs> and, <laughs> yeah. and I could justify not going to church if I got really into this thing that happened to also be on Sunday mornings. Uh, and so like I have all these fond associations with football which I never really even liked. I never liked playing it. I like I played it a video game, a football video game, uh, a bit when I was a kid. Um, but what I I loved, I loved knowing that you know every Sunday there was going to be like two games. There's going to be the one o'clock game. There's going to be the four o'clock game. And then you know Monday night football. I used to watch on this little black and white TV that my my dad had given me because it was some leftover thing. Like it's, it was this giant box. It was the size of like a big shoe box, and it had this little tiny screen in the corner of it. And it also had like a radio built in it was just like very odd thing it was like a four inch you know black and white tv and i would watch monday night football in my bedroom uh against against my parents wishes uh and like having that to look forward to was like so meaningful to me i never really liked football i didn't care about the big 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 man crunching each other i just loved that this was a thing i got to look forward to every single week there's there's part of me that likes even more like creating a ritual around something that is kind of arbitrary or meaningless because maybe it's because I, you know, I previously associated it with like something like going to church or some like religious or dogmatic thing that is too serious or people take it too seriously and I don't think it's real. And I think as an adult, I appreciate um, saying, no, it's the value is in the doing, not what we're gathering around, whether it be football you don't care about well it was the gathering around the thing together that was the important part so or my case something charming and picking <laughs> i wasn't watching <laughs> yeah. football with anybody well i guess you should have hmm. okay well but here's the thing for me, it was like it was like this permission to not do something else for that amount of time and to like just be like i'm committed to just kind of like vegging out for this you know six hours of these you know two football games on sunday actually when you say it like that um I find myself doing that exactly right now. Uh, for the listener at home, I moved into a house not too long ago. Hey, congratulations. Thank you. Such good grown up But here's the thing, Andy. There's an endless number of projects in the house. Mm. And running a business also seems to lead to an endless number of projects. Mm, and I bet you're running that to... business from your house right now. Yeah, sure am. Mm -hmm. I have to find ways to say, I need a moment to do a thing that's not job or house because it would be all consuming otherwise and i mean honestly andy this is a little bit of that right now i mean this is what this is what podcasting has always been for us i maintain yeah uh yeah. you know go this is our fourth show together and uh it's always been about the like doing of the thing not about the thing itself um, right and like honestly i i think one thing that i 
actually really don't like about uh, my experience watching Joe Parra talks with you is that I just got to watch them all whenever I wanted. They were just available on streaming services whenever. Uh, mm-hmm. I imagine this would loom even larger in my sort of uh, cultural experience if I was forced to watch them when they came out once a week or whatever for the over the course of you know three months. Like that would be a very different experience, uh, which I think would be even more meaningful to me. I somehow spaced them out a little bit. I don't know why, but it just seemed to be the case that I didn't burn through all of them in an evening. Uh, and maybe that's why I tweeted about why it was so special and why I think this is a really important show for, especially for right now. But, th- you know, this this is one that, this episode specifically just really gives me, I can watch it again and find comfort in it. Yeah. And that's not, there's not a lot of media where I feel like that's the goal. Um, I feel like Joe is very good, or Joe is unique in that he is like, we'll get to this later, but he's okay with an episode where the goal is you fall asleep, whereas I don't think Mm -hmm. there's a lot of shows that uh, don't want you to like be horrified or feel sad or it's an endless joke fest. Um, This inspires different emotions and maybe emotions that I need right now. Yeah. And a fall loop definitely is something I need right now. God, I mean, the way it's presented, it's just the most appealing thing to me in the whole world. Like yeah. the idea that every Friday after or Saturday, whatever it was after Halloween, you go on a big fall drive, you stop and you get an apple, you you know <laughs> throw your pumpkin in a waterfall. I guess we should summarize <laughs> the episode. This episode of Joe Para talks with you is Joe Para takes you on a fall drive, and we find out at the beginning that uh, jack-o'-lanterns scare the shit out of Joe Para. <laughs> he doesn't know why. Uh, but then we discover that every year after Halloween, he takes his jack-o'-lantern on a fall drive, dumps it in a waterfall. I, I, the, the, the route that's shown in the little slide at the beginning of the episode implied to me that it was the same loop every year. But then mm-hmm. his mention of visiting, trying to visit all of the major waterfalls in the UP, maybe think maybe he was dropping in a different waterfall every year. That's a little bit ambiguous, I think. But um, yeah, stopping it by a you know roadside stand to buy an apple, which he then roasts over a fire when he gets home while he sings a little song he wrote about warm apples. <laughs> uh, it's uh, every piece of it is just tugging at my heartstrings. I mean, like the the fact that it's fall, the the fact that it's you know brisk out and he's got a coat on, the like appeal of a long drive, the ritual of it, the tradition, the the profound reverence that Joe has for a thing that he fears, uh, which is like such a subtle thing, but like how many people's reaction to the thing that they fear is to treat it with such incredible respect, such as to basically go on a extensive, you know, funeral journey for this pumpkin every year. I don't know. I, that's, I mean, there's part of me that envies it because I can't, I'm not one to slow down ever. And I appreciate, and I, I always appreciate the tone of the show where we can, take a beat and i feel like you didn't mention the most important part the reason we go on the drive is because we grow our soul back during this time because when you carve a pumpkin you it that takes one sixteenth of your soul so you have to do something like watch a music video or take a carnival cruise or go on a fall drive to grow it back yeah it's um that part is something that is very appealing to me the like the magical realism of a pumpkin stealing your soul and you having to treat this gourd with, you know, the utmost respect in order to uh, sort of recapture that piece of your soul that it took. Like, I, 
I think you and I both share a like aggressive logical approach to the world. Uh, it's, it's like yeah. one of the things that defines us. But like to me, that is not a thing that is like conflicting with a like beautiful artistic interpretation of like how we as humans live in a society. And like this whole episode is about this like beautiful idea that Joe has, right? And like I I don't think Joe truly believes that his soul is being regrown and that, you know, that's literally what's happening. Like I don't think that he thinks that the pumpkin is a is a witch or whatever. Um I think it's just like a, a framework to describe the like respect that Joe has for the fact that he essentially wasted a perfectly good fruit you know like you know he describes the fact that cutting into it makes it last not as long and you know obviously you're not gonna i guess you probably could eat the you know the seeds or whatever inside of it but you know that pumpkin is not being used for a like you know good functional thing it's a it's a frivolity of like tradition that we end up destroying these perfectly good fruits every year um yeah and then just the fact that you know uh this is a thing he fears but then he treats with incredible respect which is what we should all do to the things that we fear, but no one does. And he like continues to be this paragon of like just ideal kindness. And I can absolutely, I mean, I think you're right that I would, and maybe at a certain point in my life, uh, scoff at an idea like this, but with the way it's presented and it's basically just like a, a way of thinking about how you interact with your world or how you interact with your environment uh, is really beautiful. I mean, the, the idea is like an artistic expression. It reminds me a lot of, uh, I really appreciate John Roderick for how he has a similar magical thinking about, specifically about objects in the world. Um, I don't know if you are still a, a like weekly listener to Roderick on the line, but like a recurring theme on that show, that podcast, which I recommend to all people listening to this, uh, is that John has this like very emotional relationship to objects. Uh, you know, he describes feeling bad if he doesn't wear a shirt for a while because he feels like he's neglecting the shirt and the shirt's feelings are hurt. And, you know, he talks about how, you know, his like time with a certain object, whatever, will come to an end and he'll leave it on the sort of, you know, sidewalk for someone to take. And he calls that like putting it back into the river, like, you know, put it back into the river of the world and let someone else take it that needs this thing. Uh, and again, these are all like these kind of magical ideas, which I, I don't practically you know uh, ascribe to like I, I i don't believe that you're hurting a shirt's feelings or whatever but right but the but it's a it's a much more emotionally impactful way to describe uh how we relate to the physical world around us and like you know ultimately it's kind of a way of saying like don't have a bunch of stuff that you don't need right uh well that know. that's that's kind of my thought on it is like it's it's like in one way it's a device to get you to reset how you behave because i think by default we're a little bit too or i should say maybe by default our culture is a little bit too uh quick to dispose of a thing get a new thing uh hoard a bunch of things Mm -hmm. uh whatever it is objects food anything that you might interact with in a day it's it's too easy to default to just like ah i'll pick it up i'll throw it away i'll get a new thing that thing doesn't work i'll get go to home depot and buy a replacement chair instead of just find a chair that is in the world right uh if you have to make a little story for yourself or a little ritual or a dramatic device or something to remind yourself that you're being an asshole i think that's pretty valuable because i i think we default to being assholes too often 
Yeah, and that's why like the pumpkin in this episode is such an important like representation. It's like an avatar for all of the little things that Joe pays so much attention to that our society does not. And that is like the arc of the show in a broader sense is here is somebody that is showing us the beauty and all of these things that so often go ignored. Uh, you know, it is actually it's also interesting that they introduced Joe Firestone's character in this episode. Yeah, because this is like Joe at peak. I guess, like, showing beauty in the mundane or something that is, like, you know, Joe has this very, like, focused view of these set of things. And we're also introduced to now the character who, without giving too much away, <laughs> brings the chaos of the world in, I guess. Yeah, um, a character that becomes his foil in a lot of ways. Right. So it's it's obviously purposeful that that character is brought into this, like, right this at the end too. that is the peak of appreciating the little things. Um, yeah, and it also I, I think it's also worth pointing out that this is this is the episode I was able to show Susanna that Joe is not a serial killer and he's in fact just a normal just guy. A normal guy. Was, <laughs> I'm just a normal. Which guy. I think is an important part of the entire series that you have to find out at some point that Joe can continue to be Joe and we can appreciate the pumpkin and we're not going to just scare Andy all of a sudden. Yeah, that's good. I don't like to. I don't like you know cheap jump scares after you get me emotionally invested in your show. So that's good. Um. We get some new information in this episode, which is important. Uh, we learn early on that he was given this car by his grandfather, which implies that his grandfather is no longer with us, which we could, might have already assumed by uh, Nana's presence in prior episodes. Mm -hmm. um, and then we also learn via the sort of jack-o'-lantern-themed flashback that, uh, that Joe's parents are not discussed at all yet. And we see flashbacks of him as a child, and he is ostensibly... Uh, you know, photographed with his two sets of grandparents and no parents are to be found, um, which starts to like solidify this picture of Joe as a kind of like complete loner, a very like, you know, somebody who's with, with very few ties to family in this world. W what do you make of that? Well, I mean, I feel like they have, I feel like you have to make this character a little bit lonely in order for a lot of the episodes to make sense or a lot of the adventures or I don't know if you call them adventures, but Joe certainly would. a lot of the things that he focuses on. Um, like, I think, I think the show has to have like this little tinge of sadness to it to make it understandable. Um, so it makes sense, but I, I don't know if I even picked up on, on that the first time I watched it. And then, you know, having watched later seasons and coming back to it, you think about his family relationship and then obviously the introduction to Joe Firestone I think Joe has to be a little bit of a lonely character um, and live in a house with his dog Gus. Do you, uh, do you think that's who else could he could he focus on could he focus on pumpkins if he was a man with a family? <laughs> he can't. You get you, you turn into uh, to Mike Melsky if you got kids. You're just running around screaming all the time. <laughs> They're the two options. There's single guy Joe and Mike Melsky. It's just like everybody is a chaos Muppet or an order Muppet. Like everybody's <laughs> yeah. a Mike Melsky or a Joe Para uh, yeah. deep down. But I, I also think there's something to be said, like, I it's kind of sad, but also Joe doesn't feel sad about it, it seems. So is it sad? I don't know. I, I don't, that's, that's I don't know what to make. the whole show is, like, I, am I supposed to pity the Joe character even in the tiniest bit? Because I thought at first I did, and then I didn't at all. I uh, mean, I, in I some ways, he's, character. like, the most enviable character you could possibly right. portray. Like, somebody who is, like... 
imminently comfortable in his own skin and, uh, you know, utterly in love with the world around him and able to find joy in the most mundane things. Like what higher calling could you, could you hope for? Um, I don't know what to make of, uh, Joe's apparent lack of, uh, parents. <laughs> um, because it's it, obviously it's like the show is so intentionally written that I, I'm sure there's a purpose to it. It may be all you've said. It may just be, you know, let's weave a little bit of loneliness and sadness in here as kind of like a baseline to, to establish the show as a serious and, uh, you know, engaging with the world in a, a real way instead of just, you know, cracking little jokes. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I, I, I don't, we'll explore this more as more episodes happen, but like the, the, the complete lack of mention of them, basically like, you know, they are, they're absent by, by omission completely, uh, is, interesting to me and remains interesting having watched more of the of the seasons of the show so i still don't totally know what to make of it that's a thing we'll come back to i think yeah yeah um this episode unlike the first two i mean is about what it's about like joe Perry takes you on a fall drive it is about a fall drive there is no uh misdirection or sort of metaphor there i don't think i mean in as much as the fall drive is just a sort of uh stand in for an important tradition and ritual but uh it seems pretty straightforward actually it is one where he doesn't he doesn't try to set out and explicitly explain a thing it's more he's taking you on a journey with him uh so it's also that's kind of a new thing that we've seen now they're only three episodes in it it would be an interesting uh interesting parody of this show if we imagine every episode starting out with joe talking about this thing that he loves and every episode being completely torpedoed by the melskis (laughs) 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 always ends uh in, in the melski chaos would be would be a different approach. Uh yeah. Um I don't I don't know how much else I have to say about this episode. It's like uh it's it is for sure the one that made me love the show and um want to maybe come back for more and like kind of like pay more attention to it. Uh because it shows how how aspirational the show is and how much it's trying to do something big to me. I one and one thing I don't want to forget is the the music of the show. I feel like this is the first yeah. time I really noticed the music in the show. It's very pronounced. And, I mean, one is obvious because Joe sings his song at the end of the episode, Warm Apple Night, which, by the way, I don't know if you noticed, is obviously the inspiration for our theme song here. I had not noticed, but I'm glad that that's what it is. Oh, well, every episode we start with a guitar my guitar rendition of Warm Apple Night. Uh, you can roast a apple to that song, and it'll time out just right, just so you know, Andy. That's, a, that's an important tool for this podcast for all our listeners. Yep. Um, but this is where I really noticed that the like the music for the show is very intentional and specific and written for the show, which I don't think I really would have picked up on one and two. I didn't realize um, that even that it was written for the show necessarily. I mean, I, the music is very pronounced in this episode. There are long periods where no one says anything and we're just getting shots of the woods and Joe walking through with his pumpkin and, you mm-hmm. know, watching it float away in a river and then over a waterfall. Uh, the thing that struck me is how effectively the the score set a mood without being like cheesy or try hard right like right like it's so t- they threaded this needle where like you know they're, they're basically playing like a kind of somber like funeral song uh almost uh over this footage of joe putting this pumpkin to rest and it could have been like you know a couple notes different and it could have been just so cheese ball that you would have rolled your eyes right out of your head but uh but it's not it's like in, in my mind perfectly executed it is you're right it is like two clicks up or two clicks down i like 
there's that shot of Joe just sitting by the waterfall as the pumpkin rolls away. And it almost makes you want to cry. Yeah. And you're not really sure why. You're like, he's just looking at the pumpkin. But the music kicks in. You're like, I think I'm going to cry right now. I mean, now. you want to cry because of how beautiful this man is and how like (laughs) like he's too good for the world that he gives so much attention and time to this this pumpkin you know it's funny it's uh the only other thing that makes me feel that way is watching like a sad dog video and it's the same that's the same feeling of like this this he was too good for this world he was just a sweet innocent angel and uh joe has that energy of like this sweet man is uh doesn't deserve all the horrors that are surrounding him. No, he doesn't deserve any of it. Can he just enjoy this sweet pumpkin moment? Yeah. I guess he is enjoying a sweet pumpkin moment. We're just not. We're all not enjoying our own sweet pumpkin moments. I mean, I, I, the thing is, I enjoyed it, though. Like, you know, this this episode is like, if you were to, if they put the Target demo on a board, it would just be a a portrait of me, uh, because, like, (laughs) everything about this episode appeals to all of my, uh, you know, both deeply seated and, like, superficial, uh, you know, things i like Uh, and uh so yeah it's uh it's to me it's like one of the most important episodes of the show and i think it comes at the perfect time i I can't imagine the show starting with this episode uh we get kind of the the more you know tour of the of the archetypes uh episode one which gives you a little taste of everything the show is going to be we get episode two which shows you like hey this can be extraordinarily funny like this is like the most tightly written carefully scripted comedy and like so well considered and then we get episode three which is like oh yeah and on top of all that like we are going to say something very big and important about life uh and we're not just gonna you know kind of fritter away this opportunity on this like the set piece of what it's like to live in the midwest it does this like this episode specifically and there's a few more coming up that like make me feel a way that no other TV show does. And it makes me wonder if if I'm just really bad at watching TV and movies that I don't know enough about. Oh, <laughs> uh, I feel I feel that way all the time, man. Am, am I just am I but, is it the art bad or am I not doing the art good enough? Right, but I do think it's uh it's a pretty unique thing in that way. It's it's not um it's not inspiring the emotions that other TV shows are or movies or most media that I consume. Uh, and it makes it pretty special. So, I mean, I don't know. If you hear this and go, oh, Matt, you just haven't seen X, Y, and Z. Well, fine. I'm happy to watch. I would like to watch that. But so far, no luck. Yeah, I mean, I we've talked a little bit about my, like, <laughs> how I don't consume traditional media. Like, I don't really watch TV. I listen to very little music. Like, my primary media is, like, uh, podcasts and YouTube videos. Is like, I consume... 10x you know 20x as as much of those things as i do music and television which is and movies i watch no movies uh which is you know the normal media most people consume the most of uh and i a big part of why i like those other things is because they don't have that like manic energy of like we're trying to like do everything to 11 and like you know really amp up all of our appeals to emotion and action whatever like you know if i on the rare occasion that i watch it like normal you know, triple A Hollywood action movie or whatever. It just feels like uh, in a weird acid trip to me. It's like, like yeah. I, it, it's like, it's, it's this thing that's been perfectly carefully constructed to like appeal to all of your like base reptile senses and like, you know, give you the endorphin rush at the right moment or whatever. But it, it, it feels very different from 
listening to people talk about something that they care about. And I, I, I really, really love those more like, I guess, authentic. Uh, maybe that's too much credit to, to what I'm describing, but it feels way more authentic to me just to like listen to a impromptu podcast or whatever. And this show is maybe the only scripted thing I can think of right now that has that same humanity to me that I find so lacking in normal media. That is something that's special about it too, that it, uh, like, I feel like the things that we latch onto for authentic authenticity achieve it because they just are raw. Like it's perhaps an unedited conversation. And so it sounds like two humans talking because it really just is two humans talking without any sort of preparation, but to do it in a scripted way in 11 minutes and still have that same feeling is a pretty, uh, I would imagine, a pretty challenging thing to do. I've never tried to do it myself, but... And the, and the value of it is so high because, like, I, I love podcasts and I love finding a YouTube channel I like and watching all the videos and getting to know the person that's behind it. And, like, that is ultimately why I like those things because there is this sort of long-term return on my, like, investment of time where I get to know the person making the thing more so than in normal media where there's this kind of wall, right? Like the thing yeah. is what I'm supposed to look at. I'm not supposed to look beyond that, but some impromptu podcasts, like, no, I mean the, the, the people, the personalities, the like friendships you're listening to or what's on display. Uh, but I fully recognize that the reason those things are not more popular is that they're extremely dense and it's very hard to like get over the hump before you like get in and actually know the people and care about them. And like the value is spread out across, you know, 500 hours of episodes that you have to kind of like you know some are gonna be bad you know a lot of the bits aren't that good or whatever uh and this show like just feels to me like it distills all of the like beautiful ideas down to this like the concentrated little pill uh which just gives you everything good about those kinds of media without having to put up a lot of stuff which i still love but uh it makes them harder to recommend to people you know and not one squarespace ad not one squarespace ad Joe Paris <laughs> sleeps on a Lisa mattress. I don't know if I have a lot more to say about this other than I'm I'm excited and it's really I'm excited to talk about a couple of a couple other episodes that inspire that are like here's a TV show that uh, express an emotion the best way I've ever seen done in a TV show. I it's not it's not the only time it happens in the series, which is crazy. I, I have I have I think we're gonna have no problem recording a, a sizable episode about every single episode of this show because uh they you know I, on a rewatch too i gotta say like it's they're even better uh and i'm yeah. curious to know how what the return on that's going to be like is it better on the fifth time through too maybe i'll find out um because i do really like returning to media which is not something all people like to do um yeah i give this episode uh 16 out of 16 soul fragments uh i i can't imagine what i would change about this episode uh i i, I guess i will say the one thing that kind of like uh, I didn't totally love is uh, he cracks that joke. What's the exact joke he cracks uh, to kind of transition away from the scene of the pumpkin in the river? Like it's just like long shot. Oh, the, he says it looks like root beer. I wish that it was. Yes, 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 yes. Um, that I don't know if, if was necessary to break that tension, but I'm getting really nitpicky uh, at that point. Um, I guess if you had to get really into it, you could say... I mean, there is always Gene where you're like, is Gene reading his lines or what is Gene doing here exactly? We're gonna really un not we're really gonna unpack Gene on some later episodes <laughs> of this show because, I mean, I, I still at, at this episode I still don't know 
who is you know the who's the straight man and who's the who's the lunatic in, the, in this show yet uh mm-hmm. this episode makes me feel like joe is the most genuine and honest character and is the world around him that is uh that is coming unhinged but that kind of changes from episode to episode and gene always feels like this stilted like yeah like it seems like he's reading his lines for the first time like in a table read <laughs> fashion where he's like yeah. you know taking his emotion and going over the top with it you know yeah. <laughs> so i don't know oh one thing else i have to mention here is that i, I noticed the thing on a rewatch uh this is the first example of a thing that ends up being a weird recurring bit question mark in the show which is joe picking up an apple and holding it in this awkward stilted way and then saying it's perfect <laughs> which i'm not sure if you've noticed but uh he will do that with many other apples uh as the series continues and uh i'm looking carefully to that to see if what we can learn about joe and his relationship with apples you do also find out that these episodes are linked together and they have flashback moments so we might come back to that i mean there is a grocery store episode so Yes, I, I won't spoil anything, but there may be apples at the grocery store. There might be. There could be. You'll have to watch to find out. So I guess I should rate it too. Yeah. How uh, many? How it... many soul fragments out of sixteen soul fragments? I'm really gonna break the system. I'm gonna give it sixteen out of sixteen. Yeah. The the problem is with rating these is like I'm the problem giving... is so far you've given sixty six point six percent of the episodes a perfect score. <laughs> but I'm giving them on. It's almost like they're on different scales. How are you supposed to rate? A perfect comedy with a perfect soul growing episode. You're operating on the like the dog rate system here. Pretty soon you're going to be giving uh, every episode like 14 out of 10 dog right. or whatever. Well, that's why I did reserve. I I said explicitly last episode that I may <laughs> give an 11 out of 10. So mm-hmm. I think the fact that I'm I'm being restrained and I'm just giving it a full score without going over 100 percent is I think it's pretty good. Pretty good for they're me. They're good. They're good episodes, Bront. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right. Did we ever figure out a way to close this podcast? I just stop. Whenever you stop talking, I just cut it, and I don't do anything else. Okay. That's all I do. Well, I'm sure we'll cut it somewhere back there. You could sing the song if you want. Uh, I don't know it from. I don't know it by heart. I have to admit, I didn't hear the song the the first time I watched this episode. Uh, I thought it ended at the credits and did not even see <gasps> the song. So uh, I only saw it on my rewatch just just you know ten minutes before we started this episode. Pretty simple song. It goes warm apple night. It's a warm apple night. It's a warm apple night. Warm apple night. I bet you can remember that. <laughs> I think I think I can commit that to memory. Yeah, I believe in me. <laughs> if you, I, I think you can look up the lyrics on Genius if you forget. I would love to see the annotations on that. <laughs> a warm apple refers to a lady's bottom. <laughs> well, you could you could annotate it and just add the recipe. There is a recipe that goes with it. Yeah, that's true. That seems important. I love a TV show with a recipe in it. That's a good sign. There is. It, it's really charming to have, even when you're done, you get a custom song and a custom recipe for the show. Yeah. I mean, it's genuinely nice. It's so nice. It's such a nice show. <laughs>